everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter and the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas, ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4patriots.com tutor to get your solar generator. Generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to fourpatriots.com slash tutor. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Buck Sexton, and you're listening to the Tudor Dixon Podcast, part of the Clay Travers and Buck Sexton Podcast Network. Welcome to the Tudor Dixon Podcast. I'm Tudor Dixon, and I'm so glad you're joining me because today we have Chris Rufo here with us. Chris is one of the most effective conservative researchers. He's taken on and exposed the corruption in big education. He is a senior fellow of the Manhattan Institute and author of his latest book, America's Cultural Revolution, How the Radical Left Conquered Everything. Before we get to Chris Rufo, let me tell you about Consumer Tax Advocate. You did the tough thing during COVID. You paid your people and you pulled your business through the pandemic, and now doing the tough thing could qualify you for up to $26,000 per employee at covidtaxrelief.org. Government funds are available to reward companies with two or more employees who stayed open during COVID. This isn't a loan. You don't have to pay it back. This program is complicated, but no one knows more about it than the CPAs and tax experts at covidtaxrelief.org. You pay nothing up front. They do all of the work, and they share a percentage of the cash they get for you. Businesses of all types, including nonprofits and churches, can qualify, including those who took PPP loans, even if you had increases in sales. You did the tough thing for your employees during COVID. Let covidtaxrelief.org help you get up to $26,000 per employee. Visit covidtaxrelief.org. That's covidtaxrelief.org. Once again, covidtaxrelief.org. Chris, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. So I recently read your op-ed on DEI. First of all, I think a lot of people hear about this and 
they think, okay, DEI is associated with something that I don't like, but they don't fully understand what it's doing. And and it's different whether it's in the lower schools or the higher ed. So can you go through a little bit about DEI so our audience totally understands it? Yeah. So in whether it's K through 12 schools or it's, uh, you know, say public universities, um, the DEI bureaucracy serves the same purpose. It's to take administrative power bring in left-wing ideologies, and then use the authority of the leadership of those institutions to impose that ideology on students, faculty, administrative staff. Um, And so if you look at these institutions, you have the administrative and then, say, the curricular. In K through 12, they have obviously control over the curriculum, what schools teach kids. But the DEI component is really important because that's where all the administrative decisions are made. And so um, it's called diversity, equity, and inclusion. In practice, it's, it's really none of those things. Um, and it's really just a mechanism for politicizing these institutions uh, and promoting ideology. And you said actually does not have the effect of diversity, equity and inclusion. It's actually the opposite. So explain that a little bit, what you've seen. Yeah, I mean, we can break down the terms and, 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 and into, into, their, into its component parts. You have diversity, um, which, of course, all things being equal, a kind of variety of, of, of experiences, let's say, um, is something that is valuable. But what they mean by diversity is um, uh, categorizing people by uh, racial group and apportioning, you know, kind of rewards and punishments for individuals based on their group identities. Um, equity uh, is, of course, again, sounds similar to equality, but uh, actually means um, uh, enforcing uh, equal outcomes rather than uh, treating people equally uh, as, as individuals as part of any kind of process, whether it's hiring, whether it's grading, whether it's school discipline. Um, and then inclusion is the most Orwellian of all because uh, because under include so-called inclusive policies, uh, they rigorously exclude and suppress any dissenting ideas, any dissenting speech. They categorize it with therapeutic terms as hateful or inappropriate or harmful. Um, and in order to be inclusive, you know, they argue uh, that you have to exclude speech uh, that doesn't conform to the principles of DEI. So how much stress does this put on students? We were just talking to a guest about this um, earlier in the week that it's tough because students are now in a position where they feel pressure at school in a different way than I felt when I was in school because we didn't talk about these things. We did. We were focused on learning in school. Now there is, you know, maybe your mom and dad think differently than your teacher, and maybe your parents are telling you something different about society than school is telling you. And now you slide in SEL, and all of a sudden it's like, well, let me talk to you about your mental health, which is being impacted by the things that we're pushing on you here in school. And how does this whole thing kind of blow up? Great question, and and so. Look, DEI specifically, I think that it's it's most important in the context of, of, of the management of the institutions, let's say in this case, a K through 12 school district or an individual K through 12 school. And it has a most direct impact on faculty or teaching staff um, because they have to go through these training programs. They have to be part of the you know five-year DEI plan. Uh, in many cases, the hiring process is highly influenced by this. Um, and then they set the actual administrative goals of the school. So I think DEI is really a way to, to influence administration and the teaching staff. And then, of course, the most important thing for students is, has been and will continue to be the curriculum. So the, the content of the teaching. Um, and in some sense, these go hand in hand because DEI policies influence the curriculum. The cur- curriculum reinforces the DEI policies. Um, what I've seen through my reporting in school districts like Portland, Oregon, 
is that increasingly the politics of these schools is merging on DEI as the vehicle um, by which they advance uh, th- this this kind of agenda. So you have worked to get DEI out of schools. I've heard the argument of this is embedded so deep. You take it out of a school, they rename it, they create it something out some other way. They continue to have it in there. So if that's the feeling, why not go after school choice in a bigger way and have parents be able to decide to say, I'm canceling this program on my own. I'm going to go someplace else. Well, I mean, you, you need to do both. Um, you know, I'm obviously a huge, uh, Supportive school choice. I think some of the work that I've done on CRT and gender has been um, very helpful uh, in getting school choice uh, on the books in, in now six or seven states. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is, even in a state like Arizona um, or Florida or Iowa, where they've implemented universal school choice, allowing parents to opt out and take their tax dollars to any uh, private institution, um, you still have you know approximately 90% of students in public schools. And so you can't merely uh, uh, see school choice as a, as a replacement for taking action. It's an alternative. It's something that should be encouraged and supported. Um, but in for the foreseeable future, the public school is still going to be where the majority of kids are, are, are sent and educated and, 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 and processed. Uh, and so you, you have to actually also fight the fight there. And so there's no easy out. There's no one-shot solution. Um, and certainly in blue states where school choice has no uh, possibility of passing through the legislature, the only option for parents is to is to stay and fight for those local school board races. So it's the school board is the the answer. But when you look at this, you you see there's the the right side is re- really very strong on let's just get rid of DEI. Let's get it out of the schools. But the left has an effective attack because they come out and and in ads. All across the the country, you see advocates, you see people coming out and saying, gosh, if you're against diversity, equity and inclusion. And I have to say, I mean, it sounds delightful. If you don't know what it is, it sounds very good. So they come out and they said, this is an attack on minorities. This is hurting the, the members of society that need this the most. And this is white supremacy. So how do you get past that when you are just the local person who has decided to stand up and go out there and run for school board, but you do that and you put everything on the line because suddenly you, regardless of whether you were in your small town, if you are fighting against these things, suddenly you are in the spotlight and you are like a, a small Chris Rufo, but without the support system or the knowledge or the the funding behind you to say, hey, don't worry, I got you. And that's scary for a lot of people. It is. Um, yeah, but, but, you know, for, for better or for worse, there's no other way. You've got to stand up. You've got to uh, hang tough and you have to persevere through some of those attacks. And, and ultimately, I think that you need faith that once you weather the attacks and you advance your position that most people see through um, the, the kind of dishonest uh, uh, smears and lies and distortions. Um, and, and, and I think that that's increasingly the case. You know, uh, I, I had an op-ed in the New York Times uh, last week advocating for abolishing DEI departments. Um, this is now a mainstream view. Um, this is now, uh, I think, a, a, a perspective that most uh, people in the public understand. Um, and so, uh, courage, I think, is, is ultimately rewarded in many cases. So if you, if you stake your claim, you make the great argument, you, you rally the people in your community, um, you just have to brush off some of these attacks and, and, and have confidence that people see through them. 
We're seeing a sudden uptick in choice programs across the country, especially in red states. As you mentioned, it's probably not going to happen in a blue legislature, but you see it happening in Arizona. We saw it in Arkansas. We've seen it in Florida. We see many of these states that are pushing toward education freedom or school choice, as we formally called it. What do you expect to see in those states? And so far, what have you seen? You you say 90% of students are still in public school. Do you expect that to shift at all? Yeah, it, it will shift, but it will shift slowly for a few reasons. One is that uh, it takes time for these programs to build capacity, um, to, to recruit, uh, to, to kind of recruit families, to participate in them. Um, but the biggest barrier is, is a supply side barrier. So um, you know, you, you, there are only so many private schools. Many private schools already have waiting lists. And so as there's more demand, meaning as more parents try to enter the private school market with their, uh, you know, state uh, voucher, I guess that's like a dirty word, but to me, it seems fine. Um, uh, uh, you know, as, as if they you're enter, a politician, will, then people tell you never to say that. I will admit yeah, that. <laughs> maybe. I, I don't know why. I, it doesn't matter to me. I think it's it's fine. But um but but as the, as more parents enter uh, the market, there will be a, a response on the supply side, meaning that more uh, entrepreneurs and educators and nonprofit leaders and, and religious leaders will start schools. Um, but it takes a lot of time uh, to actually found a school to get it up and running. And so um, the good news, though, is that in a state like Arizona, you already have hundreds of millions of dollars now following parents going into the into the private school market. And I think that's going to create more demand over time, and you'll start to see those numbers shift. Uh, when I was talking to folks down in Arizona, they estimated that over, let's say, a 10-year time horizon, uh, maybe up to a quarter of, of current public school uh, families would actually shift uh, to the school choice program, shift to the private side of the market. Um, so this, to me, is great. It takes time. It takes patience. It takes uh, commitment from legislators. But ultimately, this is going to break the uh, teachers union monopoly on schools and I think serve uh, families who want not only a better education as far as uh, quantitative performance, you know, better reading, better math, that kind of thing, but actually want an education with, that is more aligned with their values, um, which, which to me is, you know, frankly, uh, just as important and in some ways, if not more important than simple, you know, test-taking measures. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. 
If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. You could be one of them, sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. Folks say this new solar generator from Four Patriots is, quote, worth its weight in gold. Why? Because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer or other devices like an electric blanket, microwave, RV air conditioner, or even an electric wheelchair. You also get 12 outlets, including four AC outlets, so you can power more devices at once, and two USB-C outlets, which can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas, ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4patriots.com slash tutor to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4patriots.com slash tutor. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira hybrid mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. There's this push now that if you don't put your kids in public school, then then you're not supporting the public schools as a whole. And so I know I've had friends that have been like, well, yeah, I'd like to see them in a private education, but I don't want to be that person. It's like this, this, I don't want to be looked at as this snob who wants to put my values first, but I've argued, you know, for families, you may think that this is a more expensive choice, but oftentimes those, those schools are willing to come to you with financial aid. They're willing to help you. And really your family values are so important because that will help them through college. And then when you are looking at, if you are looking at a higher ed situation or a college or a university, look for values-based colleges and universities too. I mean, you are talking about the future of your children and what they carry on as what you've, you've raised them as. I really feel like you can protect your kids to a point from K through 12. Then they go off into the world and they are really impacted. If that base, if that foundation has not come from you and school, it's going to be harder. Yeah, I mean, look, every family has a budget that, that, that they, they must consider. Um, but in my view, spending some, some money, if, as long as provided that you can afford it, on, on a good education, one that reflects your values, one that's going to be a good, safe environment for your kids and, and has a community that is like-minded, uh, to me, that is, you know, 
absolutely worthwhile expense. And as you said, many of these schools also offer financial aid to students uh, and families that are not able to meet the full tuition. And then, of course, in the in the schools uh, or in the states rather, with school choice, you know, you also have a you know approximately seventy five hundred dollars per year per child um, in a in a state subsidy. So um, I think that there are now kind of fewer and fewer arguments. I think the the point that you raise is kind of an emanates from a feeling of guilt. Well, if I take mm. my kids out of the public school, I'm not supporting the public school. Um, I mean, who cares? Uh, that doesn't seem to me to be a, a reason to do it. Um, if it's not good for your kids, um, don't do it because you feel somehow guilty. Uh, that strikes me as, um, uh, you know, short-sighted. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things that people have to remember, we moved our kids. So I have this experience, this life experience. Um, in 2020, my daughter was not thriving at her and this was before the pandemic hit. She just wasn't thrice. She'd gone to middle school. It wasn't good for her. It was a big public middle school. We were planning to move her. And then 2020, obviously the pandemic hit. We moved all four of our girls to a private school. And the change was so, it was so immense. I mean, it was so great to see how different they were in the public school as compared to the private school. And honestly, I, I didn't want to move them because, you know, they they were there with all their friends, all the neighborhood kids. And that's what a lot of people will tell you. The community needs to stay together. And they they moved. And, and I said, my my daughter, who was, I think, in second grade at the time, she was like, I don't want to do this. And I said, give me just until Christmas, because I want to make sure we get through this pandemic and you're in class and all of this. And she never thought about it again. It was like the best decision we could have made for her. But I think a lot of parents are letting kids push the decision-making process too. And I, and we have to stand and realize that as parents, we can make decisions and the kids will, those, those are times when I think they'll be resilient. And we've heard a lot of people say, well, kids are less resilient than we thought, but when it comes to making friends and building community on their own, they're really good at that. And that's a, that's a good thing for them to learn. I want to go to something that happened recently in the news because LeBron James, it just came out that he had a school that he he founded in, I think, Akron, Ohio. And the recent news on the school is that they are well below reading and math, math proficiency, that this is something that he decided to go with kind of a more of a public charter situation. The kids are not, essentially not learning. I mean, what is the point of going to school if you come out and you don't have any math or reading skills? It's interesting to me because LeBron James went to a private Catholic school, got a very good education. So what is the disconnect between these people who say, well, I'm going to come in and save the community. When do they get held accountable when they're actually not saving the community? When kids have gone through and truly been robbed of an education because they don't get those years back. Yeah, I mean, you know, I saw the headline and, and I haven't done too much digging, but the the, the real comparison point is not. How are they competing against state standards or averages or other, you know, let's say private schools in the area? Um, I think it's really looking at, you know, the, the, the kind of the, the equivalent public schools um, uh, in a place like Akron. I think the school serves kind of the underprivileged or people uh, far farther down the socioeconomic ladder. Um, I imagine that the, the, the numbers in the kind of related or equivalent public schools are, are similar. Um, you know, this is a very difficult problem. And I think that uh, some of these like celebrity schools that they try to run uh, don't function. Um, but, you know, we do have good examples, for example, in New York City with the KIPP schools, with other uh, uh, charter schools um, that are doing quite well. So I, I guess I would uh, tell LeBron to, to maybe uh, visit some very successful schools that are working with, uh, you know, um, uh, kind of uh, 
kids on the margins, working with families uh, that don't have a huge uh, opportunities and uh, see what they're doing. And, you know, perhaps he can improve what's happening at his own school. What about school to radicalism? This is something that we've seen in the Daily Caller. They came out with um, the Portland area schools. Uh, they've been described as a school to radicalism pipeline. Obviously, if you've been paying attention to the news, you've seen that Portland has become kind of overrun with Antifa and these groups that are throwing bombs and, and Molotov cocktails into government buildings. It's become a really hard place to own a business. And they're saying that this is like, you know, they're fighting white supremacy, all of these things. But really, what is this? It's, it's generally white kids that are joining these kind of sort of gangs of Antifa and going out and destroying the city. So how is this something that's happening in our schools today? Yeah, you know, I've, I've done some reporting on uh, on Portland over the last few years and specifically reporting on Portland public schools uh, over the last few years, including some of the suburban schools uh, surrounding the actual city. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's no surprise. You have a very, uh, you have a kind of core of very left-wing activist teachers. And actually some of those teachers have been, uh, were arrested during the Antifa riots for participating oh, nice. in the riots, um, which is always great to see. Um, and, uh, but if you look at the curriculum documents, I have parents all over the Portland area sending me curriculum documents. I mean, it, they're, they're pushing left-wing ideology. They're pushing a kind of radical line. And certainly one of the chapters in my book, um, you know, details in, in, in great uh, specificity, uh, exactly the kind of things that they're teaching, exactly the kind of DEI departments that they're running and and shows exactly how you get that school to radicalism pipeline. Um, you know, you, 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 you teach kids for, you know, 10 years, um, the, the kind of basic tenets of left wing ideology. It should be no surprise that what you get at the end of that by the time they hit high school, um, you know, is, uh, is, is, is some something of a kind of militant cohort of kids that are willing to go out in the streets and uh, willing to perpetrate violence. Well, I was just talking to a friend of mine who has a son that goes to a school where they have pride flags up and they have political signs up in their classrooms. And so it, it does. Those are things that are definitely not about reading, writing and math. These are things that are political in nature. But he was actually suspended for wearing a Trump hat in in the school, in the hallways of the school. And so there's a real disconnect for kids right now who are going, well, wait a minute. I see my teacher doing it and that's okay, but they have a different, you know, they're on the other side. They're on the leftist side. If you come in as a student today and you do anything that appears to be supporting political issues on the right, you can be suspended. What is it? What does a parent do in that situation? I, I mean, get a lawyer. Uh, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, public school students have uh, limited but still significant uh, First Amendment rights. Um, you know, I think that it is, uh, you know, incumbent and there are even kind of public interest law firms that would help in some of those cases. But I, I think, I think, look, if you're in high school and, uh, and, and it's, it's fair game for, for students on the left to bring symbols and hats and t-shirts and signs, um, there should be the same, uh, uh, privilege, the same rights afforded to, to students with different political viewpoints. And so, um, I, I would say, you know, support your kids, uh, hang, hang tough and, uh, as necessary, you know, contact an attorney. And in many cases, the schools will back down. So tell us a little bit about, I have your book here. It, we, it is America's Cultural Revolution, How the Radical Left Conquered 
everything. So how I think this is what people want to know. How did they conquer everything? How do we get it back? So explain a little bit about what they they will find when they read it. Great. Yeah. America's Cultural Revolution uh, debuted last week on the New York Times bestseller list. And it's a secret history of the radical left's 50 year long march through the institutions. And so it traces this uh, historical process from the late 1960s when all of the uh, radical ideologies were first developed. Um, and then how left wing activists and political figures and intellectual figures were able to uh, burrow within the institutions, universities, schools, uh, uh, K through 12, you know, bureaucracies, uh, and then finally government institutions and corporations, and then bring these ideologies inside and use them uh, uh, to kind of conquer the cultural language and the cultural institutions of our time. Yeah, I mean, it, it really does start with the youth. And I know a lot of people have been criticized for coming out and saying, hey, this is where they get the country. They take the country over. But we've seen it over and over again, whether it is China, whether it was Germany, no matter where it is, we see that these changes in government come with the youth. And there is a real desire when you are young to be a part of something bigger. And as we've seen in the United States, as we've seen families and in general, young people get away from religion, there is that that piece missing. So I do think that they have a, a hook there when they can get in so young and say, like, you can be a part of something. So how do we get that culture back? How do we, how do we say there is a part of something, you are a part of something bigger if you have the traditional American values? Uh, you have to fight for it. N none of these things are inevitable. Um, and in fact, at this point, uh, uh, that is uh, institutionally a kind of minority position. And so uh, conservatives who want to have their values reflected in their institutions um, actually have to fight for those institutions. Uh, they have to make some very difficult uh, decisions. They have to be willing to, um, you know, to, to shake things up and to, to make enemies and to, and to fight through controversy um, because we're no longer uh, living in a past era where a lot of these values were taken for granted. Um, they had you know, near universal support. Um, that world is, is gone, and so conservatives have to get off the sidelines and, and, and get into the, get into the game, um, or, or else, uh, you are essentially seeding, um, the institutions that teach your kids that determine, uh, how you work and how you live and, and how you think and how you speak. Uh, you're, you're seeding them to people who have, uh, diametrically opposed values and, and would love nothing more than to, than to silence your voice. And there we go right back to why it is important. If that's what you feel strongly about, if your values are something that you want to instill in your children, then the sacrifice to send them to a school that has those values and teaches with those values, that's, that's something that you really need to consider as a parent. Chris Rufo, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And make sure you check out his book, America's Cultural Revolution. Thanks for being on today. Thank you. And thank you all for joining us on the Tudor Dixon podcast. As always, for this episode and others, check out the TudorDixonPodcast.com. You can subscribe right there or check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And join us the next time on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Have a blessed day.
Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas, ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4patriots.com slash tutor to get your solar generator generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to fourpatriots.com slash tutor. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.